0: 8.06 on this Thursday morning, May 11th. Uh, thanks for joining us. The all-new This Morning, Jaylen Nye, Daryl McIntyre. Of course, we've been keeping a close eye on the wildfire situation in the province over the past couple of weeks, and certainly, as Daryl mentioned, as we as we get into more hot, hot weather mm. over the coming week. Now, Alberta wildfire said yesterday that as of May 10th, 410,000 hectares of land have been burned by wildfire. That's double the average area Alberta would normally see burnt in an entire year. Yeah, you heard that right. In an entire year. And she says, uh, Christy Tucker says, the northern boreal forest is expecting more hot, dry weather in the coming days and the fire situation likely going to get worse this weekend.
1: And we've had so many communities impacted as mm-hmm. well. So even if you had the fires and they were out in a relatively remote area, would we would we really notice? Mm. Would we pay attention? Well, some people would, but a lot of us would not. But with the number of communities that have been impacted, you're darn right we're paying attention. Some communities still impacted and will be for some time to come. Uh, Jen Beverly is a former firefighter actually, uh, now an associate professor at the University of Alberta and leads the Wildfire Analytics Research Team mm-hmm. because we Curious with the what sounds like unprecedented figures and numbers that are coming out. Did we see it coming? Did we know it was coming? Do we know what's coming down the pipe next? Uh, maybe this analytics research team will help us out with that. Jen Beverly, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Am I am I overshooting it with how much <laughs> that you can do and what we know? Just tell us a little bit about your work, and that would might give us a little bit better background.
2: Yeah, you bet. So, you know, we're really focused on, on I guess what you would call a risk assessments, um, trying to understand what parts of the landscape are most um, most likely to, to experience uh, wildfire events, or or where wildfire events, the kind that we're seeing uh, this spring in Alberta, where that's possible, and uh, we try to map that out uh, across large areas, but as, as well right around the communities to better understand where the vulnerabilities are.
0: Jen, I just want to backtrack a a second um, because I want to get into this new tool that you've developed. But I want your opinion. When when you've seen, when you've uh, witnessed what uh, the province has gone through over the past couple of weeks, where is your mind at with your knowledge of wildfire preparedness and research?
2: Yeah, great question. You know, I've been studying wildfire for a couple of decades now. And, um, you know, my views on it have changed over the years. But a key thing that that seems really apparent to me is that that we've never lived in a time with more uncertainty than we are right now. So it's very, very difficult to, for example, predict what kind of weather we're going to see in any given year. Um, And that kind of uncertainty makes it really hard um, to to know what to expect. So you have to plan for it. Um, And that means going through scenarios, trying to understand what could play out, uh, looking at, well, what if we do have a really dry spring? What if we have winds from a certain direction for a sustained period? Um, Then where are the vulnerabilities and and, and what communities can be impacted and what infrastructure can be impacted? And then you can start to try to mitigate that. So with that planning then, uh, you've developed a tool
0: to help with that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we, we've been very focused on the fuels and the, and the reason we're focused on the fuels. So looking at the different forest types and um, the amounts of them and how they're arranged across large areas, but as well right around communities. And the reason we're focused on that in particular is because that is one thing I do know. right? That's one thing that I, you know, with the weather, I don't really know what to expect in three months or next year or tomorrow sometimes. Um, it can be so serendipitous and difficult to predict. But when it comes to the fuels, that's something that we can map. Mm-hmm. And we can, we can use satellite information, we can use enforced inventory information, and and other um, sources of data to, to really map out where the fuels are. And I know if you have fuel, it can burn. Mm. Um, now, I need, the, I need ignitions and I need weather. Those are difficult to predict, but the fuels, I understand where they are. So yeah, we, we work with mapped fuel information and we try to understand the patterns of those fuels.
1: And what actions can we take? I don't know, you know, save going and sweeping the forest floor or something <laughs> like that. Like, What actions can come out of this understanding?
2: Yeah, so you know that's exactly what we're trying to do is inform actions so that you can before any fire actually starts to encroach on a town, you've already identified where the vulnerabilities are and, and, and maybe even taken some uh, some steps to alleviate those. So, you know, early on you can you can manage the fuels, and so there is a, a whole field called you know, fire smart forest management, mm-hmm. and also fire smart treatments that communities can do. It just means thinning the forests and taking out some of that fuel, so that when a fire does come in, it's going to drop down to a lower intensity that's easier to suppress. So you can manage the fuels proactively. The other thing you can do is also just be be aware of of, of where human ignitions could be very uh, destructive. So, a lot of the fires that start in the spring are, co- and most of them actually are caused by people. Um, and those can be prevented. A lot of them are preventable fires, and with education and understanding about vulnerabilities, you could you know close off areas and really have uh, education campaigns to help people understand the risk of fire when it's dry. So,
0: but, so Jen I know that this tool, this this assessment method that uh, that you have developed is it's being tested in in some communities across Alberta and BC right now. Is it showing anything? Are you getting any data from it that's usable or is it still too
2: early? Oh no we really we really have the, some some great information already and, and uh, We've been looking at some what we're calling directional vulnerabilities, and so some communities, for example, are vulnerable to particular wind directions pushing a fire in into their um, their community zone. And we've mapped those, and we've made that information available to Alberta Wildfire over the last week, um, so that they can see, okay, you know, this community is vulnerable to southeast winds, for example. Uh, so we are seeing some really interesting things that uh, right away. But, you know, probably the most interesting thing from my perspective is that every community is really unique. So they, each community, depending on their shape and depending on the surrounding types of fuels and the landscape patchwork around them, they have really unique vulnerabilities when it comes to fire. Um, even within one region, you can have one community that's, that's vulnerable to certain wind directions, for example, and another that's it's totally different. So I think uh, just un- just understanding the uniqueness of each community is, is uh, one of the outputs of this tool.
1: It also really sounds like there are things that we can do, but man, there's an awful lot of resources that would be required to actually get it done. You're
2: right. And uh, you know, in, in some, some ways, this tool may help prioritize where you would put those resources, identifying communities with particular vulnerabilities, Um, And some of them, you know, you might want to take different types of strategies depending on the nature of the vulnerability. If it's overwhelmingly vulnerable, maybe fuel management isn't the solution. Maybe you want to focus on evacuation planning.
0: All right. Yeah, evacuation planning. And we certainly have seen that uh, take uh, front and center and priority over the past number of years. Jen Beverly, great to talk with you. Thanks for your insight and uh, your time this morning. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much, yeah, take care. Uh, Jen Beverly, uh, doing work right there at the U of A and some pretty cool stuff, as always, coming out of the University of Alberta, uh, you know it's it's always it's always pretty amazing. But yeah, when you take a look at the the amount of land burned already this mm-hmm. year for one hundred and ten thousand hectares, which is more than a normal year. It's
1: a ton, and again, it's just affecting those communities. So mm-hmm. if it was just burning off in the middle of nothing, most people like, wouldn't okay, carry whatever. it. Well, you know, just keep it contained so yeah. it doesn't get to anybody. But yeah, yeah this has been an entirely different but kind of a season.
0: It, it's so important as we as we head into this this hot weather again, you know, reminders that the, there's a fire there's a fire ban in place. That there's you know the off road um, uh, equipment, Parts, uh, yeah. the what do you call them, ATVs the, the ATVs and, and stuff. Yeah. There's a there's a ban on them. Please don't flick cigarette butts outside of, of car windows or vehicle windows, mm-hmm. all of those things. Right. We just can't do it right now. It's, you shouldn't be doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like don't, be, I, I. don't be flicking butts out the window at any time. Regardless. But let's just keep in mind and follow the rules for the next little bit and and get things under control.